Welcome back to the Business of Living podcast. I am thrilled to have Vincent Puglisi with me today. Did I pronounce that right? Close enough. Puglisi. Puglisi. I Puglisi. Go, I, I go by all of it. None of it offends. <laughs> nice. Vincent, I've known you for a long time, and it's been a while since we've talked. I think we shared a lot of the same values however many years ago when we met. What was that, six Absolutely. years ago or something? Was that San Diego was the first time? Yes. I remember sitting in that hotel lobby, hanging out with you, talking about all this stuff that we value. And immediately we were just like, all right, we're going to hang out together because we think the same way about family, about business, about freedom. For those of you that don't know Vincent, he's an author. His recent book, The Wealth of Connection, A New Approach to Making Business Personal, podcaster, Total Life Freedom Podcast. I love that title as well as runs a community, the Total Life Freedom Community. But you live and breathe this stuff, and you help other people live a remarkable life that affords them freedom and choice in terms of their time, their money, and their work. And I love that mission. I want to talk to you today because I, I have a lot of conversations about this stuff. People who feel trapped in their career, trapped in their circumstance, and they think they don't have that choice or they'll never be able to control their time or their money or their their work. So how do you want to start this conversation off? Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. This is this is an honor and a pleasure. Um, it's so interesting you brought that up about the career side of it because you know I have a lot of these conversations that you could imagine in, in my work. And in our community today, I asked the question, I said, you know, what are you working on this week? And it's not just what are you getting done? It is, as Stephen Covey would say, you know, if, if you're familiar with Stephen Covey and, and, and his four quadrants, he has these quadrants in terms of your time and your life. And quadrant two is where we live our life, which is doing important work that's not urgent. And if you were going to talk to people and you're going to talk to people that are busy and the people that are stressed out, they're not living in that quadrant. And when I read that book, I read that book, Seven Habits, um, probably in 2005, when our first son was born. He's 17 now. And and I remember lying in bed, my wife next to me reading that and being like, I have no idea how to get there, but that's where we need to be because everything was always urgent. Mm. You know, I worked for a newspaper. My wife, we're both photographers. You're working on deadlines every single day. Everything you do is a deadline. Everything is urgent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's important. Some of it's not important and still urgent. And you go, what the heck am I doing this work for? It's useless. And a lot of people feel like that. And I said, wow, that really is the spot, important but not urgent, because that means, oh, if I'm going to write a book, that's where that has to go. It's important work, but it's not urgent. The book is not coming out tomorrow. It might be a year from now. Now, if you can live your life that way, and you can wake up and you say, what important work am I doing, but I'm not stressed. You could replace urgent with stress. I'm not stressed to do it. Nobody's waiting on me for this today but it's going to create the book of tomorrow or the course of tomorrow or the speech of tomorrow. That's where I knew I needed to live. So as time went on, I spent less time in all the other areas and more time here to where even now we're recording on a Monday and all of my urgent work for this week is done. There's nothing urgent left. Aside from <laughs> I two calls I, yeah. I have two calls I have to run tomorrow for our community and it requires, it takes three hours of my time and nobody has my time the rest of the week, except for my family and the work I want to do. And that was a long time to build that out. Yeah. What do you think causes people to get stuck in that trap of of answering the call to the urgent, but maybe not important? I mean, everyone's 
in a terrible rush, right? They're running around trying to get everything done, never have enough time. What what is causing people to end up in that rat race, so to speak? It's gonna it's gonna piss some people off, but I think we're trained. Good. Let's do it. Yeah, I think I think we're trained to become that from a very young age. From the moment you get on that first school bus where you don't control what time the bus picks you up mm. and you don't control what time the bus drops you off and you don't control what happens in between those two moments, you're basically saying somebody else is going to control my time. Mm. And you don't even know it and you don't even have that choice. Yeah. I didn't have that choice. I just got on the bus and when I went to question it, I was told you're being you're causing trouble. Yeah. So you're always in this rush to get to the bus. I remember the mornings yeah. of my mother screaming at me, the bus is coming. And we'd be like, that was, we, you know, me and my brother causing havoc. And then we get out there and the bus isn't there yet, but she's only doing it because we're not going to be ready on time. And she, she basically jokes that it's not joking, but lets us know the bus is there. So we get there early. So we had this constant rush of you're not even going to be on time. So get there early so that you can be there for when the bus shows up. And I remember, Mike, I still remember being in the end of second grade. Going into third grade, it was the end of school, and I was brushing my teeth one night. I think it was the first day of school, of third grade. And I said, oh, okay, third grade. And I'll never forget. And I said, fourth grade. I said, then there's fifth grade. And then there's sixth grade. I was brushing my teeth the entire time. Twelfth grade. And then I had to go to college. <laughs> and then I had to get a job. And I've never, I was never so depressed as a young person as I was. I, I, my entire life was planned out for me without ever anybody asking me what I wanted to do. <laughs> and so, by the way, when college is over, you have no idea what you're supposed to do. Yeah, <laughs> or, or go get a job where somebody else tells you where to go. So <laughs> when I rebel against all this stuff, people think I'm just being kind of obtuse or a jerk. No, I never had freedom. Most people do not. And I fought for it. And it annoyed a lot of people. But it later on, people go, man, I wish I would have done that too. I wish I would have followed what I wanted to do instead of what other people told me to do. So yeah. I fought, I had problems with this and fought this for a really long time before we even had a chance to get it. Oh my gosh. I'm so with you. You're bringing up bad memories for me. Actually, <laughs> my, my mother used to rip all my covers off and throw them like outside of the room, Yeah, It'd be, you know, middle of winter and in, in Buffalo and I'd be like in my boxer shivering. <laughs> I just did not want to get out of bed. Cause yeah, I didn't want to waste time following around the schedule it didn't seem to make any sense or lead anywhere meaningful for for me personally people keep doing it though right mm -hmm. they keep following that schedule and keep answering that call what do you think they're afraid of like if, if they don't do that like if they don't stay on schedule do what they're supposed to do what's going to happen to them well i think i think people without knowing it are afraid of the hard question of what mm -hmm. do i what do i really want when you have that lined up for you, you can kind of, I hate to say this, but you can kind of have excuses. Yeah. I can't really do this thing because I got the mortgage and the car payments and the job. Right. So it allows people to stay in a spot where it's like they have an excuse for why they don't do what they want to do. I would love to run a business, but you don't understand. My wife would never go for it. My husband would never go for it because we need to pay the bills. So yeah. when you get into this, think about it, it starts in third grade. It starts in second grade. When you go on that path and then you get that job and you have this dream. And you kind of put that dream on the on the on the back burner because you need to now get that job to do this. Well, you make a good amount of money, so then you buy the house. Yeah. Well, then you buy the car, and all of a sudden, I get people coming to me 
when they're early 30s and they have three kids and, and a mortgage and car payments and they go, I hate what I do. Yeah. I hate what I do. How do I do this? And I want to say, get a time machine, go to back to the future and go back <laughs> before you made all these decisions. Right. But they're told to make these decisions. It's a, it's a cultural phenomenon to go this route. Yeah. And that nobody takes into consideration, what if you don't want to do this? What if you don't want to be an insurance salesman? What if you don't? What if, what if you have this other dream to do? How in the world are you going to tell your spouse who has the mortgage and car payments and debt, no, I'm going to go quit to do what I really want to do? You're stuck at that right. point. And, and I was there. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't make enough money to, to have it stop me because I was only making $32,000 a year in my job. Yeah, when I started my side business, our side business. But if I, Michael, if I was making one fifty, I wouldn't have had the guts to do what I did because mm. of like, how do I replace this? So that was a blessing in disguise that you were needing to increase your income. Yeah, yeah. it really was because it wasn't the golden handcuffs of like how I have people coming to me and they say, "I make one fifty a year, but I really want to do these things. How do I? I I'll never replace my income doing this." And what I kind of walk people through is. You will defeat yourself by thinking, oh, I got to replace my income. When you're a freelancer, when you're an entrepreneur, you have multiple income streams, as we all know in this world. Right. What I walk people through is replace an expense, not your income. So hmm. if you can create, say you're doing coaching, if you can make an extra two grand a month coaching, right? If you have $150,000 income, that might not sound like a lot. Yeah. It's only a portion of that, but that covers your mortgage. So now, wait a second, we replaced the mortgage payment with coaching. Oh, now I have products that I can sell. Now I replaced groceries and gas money. Wait, you keep doing that, and all of a sudden, you've replaced 50% of the income. And then I say, well, if you could do that in your spare time and make 50% of the income, what would you think you could do if you didn't have this job altogether and all the stress and the time? You don't yeah. think you could double that and quadruple that? But they need those wins to get there because there's no way they're going to feel comfortable saying, oh, I'm going to replace My spouse isn't going to be on board. I'm going to lose the house. So there's a whole rewiring that has to happen once yeah. you go down that path. But so many people, are, you know, they're too afraid to do it. And then they wind up, you know, those people we see that are like just frustrated and they're not happy with their lives as they get on with their lives. Right. I, I love this conversation because it would change so many people's lives if they could just learn to think differently. And you, you start off by, okay, you, you miss the bus and you get in trouble. Then when you mm -hmm. become an adult, it's right. It's financially driven. If yep. you don't do these things, you're not going to have enough money to pay your bills and then you're going to be homeless. Right? So that's that even a deeper level of fear that's driving people to continue on that same path. Oh, and you're cool. right. It steals your ability to ask that question. Like, what do you actually want? Most people don't even ask that question anymore because yeah. they're too afraid of the answer. What yep. I really want to do is this, but I can't even think about that because of, because of all the stuff I got myself into. Let me just go watch football and drink another beer. Right. And I love how you're laying this out because that's the first thing I hear from my coaching clients is they, they see that one step. Like if I jump into building a business or becoming an entrepreneur, it's just way too risky, right? It's mm -hmm. just one big swing. I'm swinging for the fences. If I miss, I'm we're homeless. If I mm -hmm. make it awesome, but I'm not going to put my family in that position. So I love how you lay out, well, no, replace an expense and chip away at that, get some wins, and then you can start to see it just even a little bit more and a little bit more. And the more you take steps in that direction, the more you start to see it's not only possible, but this is the way to live.
This is the way that brings you choice and gives you agency over your time. And you get get to decide how you want to live your life. And once you experience that, you can't go back. No, it it is so hard. Well, and and I think a lot of times, I I think a lot of times people think, think, oh, I'm I'm going on YouTube and I'm going on TikTok and I'm seeing all this success. I'm seeing these latest people, right? The Gary V's and the Andrew T. All these people that are wildly financially successful, they compare themselves to that and, and either they go, that's what I want, or I'll never get there. But they think they should get it right away because it's instantaneous. And what I talk to everybody about is, in general, I don't know if you've experienced this, but we've had it with every business. First year, if I was going to label them, first year is pain. Hmm. You're not making enough money. You're not you're not getting what quote unquote you're worth. You're working way too hard for the money that you're that's coming in. You're making the majority of your mistakes. All the great stories come from that first year. <laughs> the second year is balance. When you can survive, you're still not doing great, but you're getting some balance and you're getting some knowledge, you're understanding, and you're optimizing just a little bit. Third year is where freedom comes. Mm. Like every one of our businesses that has happened and we moved and we moved and each time Elizabeth would be like, you notice by the third year, we're barely even talking about the stuff we talked about in the first year, Mm. stuff that we worried about. and Now it's optimization. So now when you can make four times as much while while working four times less, Mm -hmm. what does that give you? And that's what I want people to see. What does that give you? Always, it gives me more money to where I'm not stressing about money. I could actually reinvest it back in all these different things, and I have more time. So if my kid has Taekwondo like he did today, I can go to it. Now, like we talk about, you know, and you and I are so on on board. We talk business and we talk money, but what we really talk about is our family. Mm -hmm. What we really want is to do this so we can do this with our family because we don't want to miss out on that. We want to be great parents and fathers so now the fact that i could do that soon as i'm done talking to you i'm gonna hang out with my kids for a couple hours i have one more interview that's my day yeah i love it lock it's done very important but not urgent right i don't need anything to happen from this today or next week or this year it all builds on itself but i'm also gonna have the time with my family so first year's pain second year's balance third year's freedom I even know it with things we're going to do, do in the future i know the first year is going to be painful because i don't know what i don't know yet but I do yeah. know if I continue on this process like it's happened every other time, it, we will get to freedom with that business in three years. And as long as I know that, I see the framework that I need to I need to chase. Yeah, I really like that. And you know, that's what growth feels like, right? When you're doing something that you've never done before, and of course you're gonna feel uncomfortable. And diving into that, oftentimes I think people think, oh, I guess that's an indication that this isn't a good path for me. It's it's not always that, right? Sometimes it's just well, you're you're growing, like you are a rookie here. Dive in like a rookie with that open learner sort of mindset and and understand that yeah, this is uncomfortable, but you are learning a ton and adding to who you are as an individual and the in the value that you offer. And um I gotta say, I mean, sometimes I go back to that second year too and need some balance in everything that I'm doing. I bounce around a little bit. It's not concrete because in the first year you might get some freedom. Whoa, all of a sudden things open up in this in the third year or fifth year, you might experience pain and balance. Mm-hmm. Right. So it it's not concrete, but that's a general guide view of how to how it works out often. No, that's that's great. I love that. And I want to dig a little bit deeper on this because I've had so many conversations around people feeling stuck mm-hmm. and and sometimes I don't always have a clear vision for them stepping out of that. I know you said I'd rather get a hold of somebody when they're in those younger years before they're programmed to, mm-hmm. you know, 
answer the bell that rings and and run to the next urgent thing. But I kind of want to offer some more hope to those people that maybe are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s and have those golden handcuffs on. Like, where can someone in that position start to think? How can they start to think this way? Yeah, I think it's great. I joke around, I'm 51. And I say, I'm not 51. I'm I'm, I'm 21 with 30 years of experience. (laughs) I love that. Because what you don't realize at that spot is how much advantage you have over other people. You might think, oh, I'm at this age and, and it's too late for me now. Like you've learned things that many people have not learned. You have stories that most people do not have. You have experiences that you can draw upon. It should get easier over time, even to try a new thing if you allow yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I find so much potential in the encore, in the in the second set where it's like, wait a second. Your First of all, your connection should be better. Think about when you came out of college. How many people did you really know that could help you out? Right. I have a friend from high school that I used to play basketball with. Yeah. yeah. That's but not think about now. But you think about now, you go, wait a second, there's this person and they're doing this now. You have such, that's why I wrote the book, you have such a wealth of connection, whether you realize it or not, that you can call upon people for wisdom, for knowledge, for, for work a lot of times. So I think there's a great advantage once you've gotten older and you're in that spot to be able to turn that around and create what you, and you also have the, the wisdom of knowing, hey, time is not slowing down. Mm-hmm. And there's an urgency with that. I remember I went back to college when I was 26 and I had failed a bunch already. So I'm going back for photography and I was like, I was locked in. I was not letting partying or anything stop me. I am going to come out of here and I'm going to be at the top of my game when I leave. There's another guy, Alex, who was 19. He's a very talented photographer. But and I told him, I said, listen, I'm not screwing around. This is good. This is going to happen. And he said to me, he goes, yeah, I, you know, I get that. He goes, but I kind of like this and I like doing this and I like doing that. Kind of like, all, I don't really know. And I said, you know what? If I was Alex at 19, I would have said the same exact thing. Yeah. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the pain to know I'm going all in on this. Right. So because he had seven different interests, he never went all in on anything. Hmm. And he never made it happen. Because I had seven more years of experience, and I was still young, but I had a lot of pain of knowing this is not going to get better if I don't do this. I went in there locked and loaded I, and I made it happen. And I think that's what happens a lot of times with experience. You also know the clock is ticking. I got to make this thing happen. So I see more urgency in terms of dedication to the older ones than I do with the younger ones because the, the younger ones don't know the pain that's about to happen. Yes. The older ones dealt with it. So I enjoy them when they go, I got to make something happen. That's yeah. a lot of fun to work with. Absolutely. And yeah, more age, more experience more knowledge, more relationships, more dedication. No doubt. I was just having this conversation with my wife recently, because sometimes when you're a mother and you get lost in those years of raising kids, sometimes it's hard to feel like you have value outside of just being a parent, right? So there's a lot of mothers, I think, that through those years and those experiences as just being a mom have gained incredible insight and experience that they could bring in the, the form of value to a business or any other venture that they go toward. And I think they come out feeling like, what do I have to offer? I've done nothing for the past 15 years. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Put one of these executives that has built his career in the corporate world in your shoes as a mom for 15 years and see how they would fare. Oh yeah. Right. So like, there's this problem with our culture, I think that downplays motherhood and parenting 
as well as downplays age. Like the older you get, the more your value kind of diminishes when really the opposite is true. They have so much value to offer and they're actually getting to the point where they're sages, where they're peaking as far as their wisdom and their value that they can offer. And I, I would love people to hear that, especially if you're like in your fifties or sixties and you feel like, Oh, I'm not really valued anymore. I don't have much experience. Take another look. Like you could be in a better position than you've ever been in your life right now. Oh, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I've, I've heard the stats that say most millionaires, it happens in their fifties. That's when they, that's when they really make it. Because when you, when you understand the arc of things in terms of how you're working, you have the wisdom, knowledge, experience, and connections at that point to do something. Like yeah. there's so many business ideas that we could take on. Like, oh, I see the path where I could not have I could have had the idea mm. in my 30s, but I couldn't see the path of success in my 30s. I wouldn't even know because I wouldn't have seen what all these other people have done. But as you talked about with mothers and, and parents, I completely agree with you. I think that is the point where you're like, this is where I can utilize all these things that I dealt with. And you're running around chasing three or four kids, getting them in line, doing all this stuff. Your your management experience is phenomenal <laughs> at that point. Yeah, for That's, sure. For, yeah, if you can bring together a group of toddlers and get them all fed and put them oh. at the right time, I mean, mothers really should get accolades for what they achieve on a daily basis. Oh, without a doubt. With, and, and But I also think there's business opportunities in there. I don't think people see what value they could bring to other people about what they've already learned. They go, what do I know? I've just done this. And then when you go, no, how do you equate this? Like, like my, my nephew did this really well. He's a young kid, but he's, he's a huge New York Jets fan. Right. And, and he, and he would be in By his the room way, lot. just to stop you. I was at the Jets bills game yesterday and it was oh, yeah. 30 degrees and rain and sleet. And I was with my son the whole day. It was miserable, but we did beat the jets. Well, you Sorry. guys were happier than he was yesterday. <laughs> and, <right. laughs> but he, but so it, it's a really interesting experience. And th- I think moms can do this. I think people in their fifties and sixties can do this, but he did this at 19. He's a huge jets fan. My cousin Vivian is all kind of concerned. He would call, she'd call me up. Like, what do I do with Mikey? Like, I don't know what to do. Cause all he cares about is, is watching the games. He watches on, he tapes the game. He he watches them over and over again. He's very, he's very good with math, but he's kind of drawing out plays, doing all this stuff related to football, but tech wise. And she's kind of like, where's he going to go with this? Well, it turns out that at 19, he started writing blogs about the jets. Cause he understood the analytics of it better than most people. It's a very sharp math brain. Mm. And he starts figuring out how they're running plays. It's not, he's writing articles on it. And then all of a sudden New York media, starts quoting him in their articles because they're reading his blog. (laughs) That's amazing. And he's bringing insight that the normal beat reporters just aren't bringing because he's so focused because he's so good at math. He's so in tune to the Jets and the football side of it that he blended these things together to where one guy who was starting a membership site for the Jets contacted him and said, hey, you want to partner on this? Because I need your analytical mind for this he's writing the the hero stories and all this type of stuff but he needs an analyst mm. to come along and break this stuff down well they teamed up and now they've got jet extra i think it's called it's a it's a membership it's 10 bucks a month and the potential and they're doing well but the potential because they've been crappy for two decades right Can you imagine if they turned into a patriots type of situation yeah. right the amount yeah. of following ten dollar a month membership you're telling me that any mom or somebody in that spot or people we're talking about can't 
find something or create something that's a niche product on a certain specific thing, do a membership you can do from anywhere and charge $10 a month, get a thousand people in there. There's your 10 grand a month. Yeah. Yeah. There's a we we met this person that runs a doodler community, Michael. Doodler, not even professional doodlers. This is amateur doodlers, people that just want to doodle on their paper, draw a little. They started a membership on it, five dollars a month. They've got a couple thousand people in there. Oh my gosh. And they do these little challenges on it. Like when you can when you can start seeing it from that angle, what's mm. a what's something that's unique to me? Those three things that I put together that make for the unique package yep. that I can create for that audience alone. I is a million micro niches and mm. everybody starts thinking I got to have one job. I'm like, no, I want a micro niche that can have thousands of people paying me a little bit a month. And you're, you're off to the races. When you talk about money, yeah. time and freedom, like that is so exciting to me that that world is opening up. Yeah. It is so exciting and more accessible than ever in the history of the world. Yeah. And this is a perfect segue because this this important piece of getting started in something like that is having the right people around you, right? Mm-hmm. Having some people that have some experience, have been down that road before. Um, sometimes that's financial investment. Sometimes that's just tactical, operational sort of stuff that you need. So let's dig a little deeper into, into the message of the book because I love that title, The Wealth of Connection. I've seen this in so many people's lives. They're not the smartest people in the world. They are not the most dedicated or disciplined. It seems to me that those who have the best relationships with the right people are the ones that are the most successful in life. Yep. So where do we start on this wealth of connection perspective? Yeah, I agree with you. I And, and it's something that I didn't really understand yeah. for a long period of time, but I'd start seeing it. Even in the world of photography, the people that were connected, the people that had the relationships, the people that did the intangibles mm. were the ones that not only got ahead, but doors just seemed to open and they didn't have to really worry about it. And they didn't really even try sometimes. Like they didn't really try to get it, but it's like, hey, they came to me with this. Like, how are they getting all this stuff? And the people that are tactically going about it are going one plus one plus one. Mm. And these other people are going 10 times 10 times 10. Mm. How is that happening? And so I started studying this. That's where the book came into it. I'm like, okay. what why is it that some people just it just seems like everything they touch turns to gold, relationships build, they get referrals, they get affiliates, they get connections, and other people keep just fighting along one yard at a time. And I started realizing, why do so many people that try to get into this world, the world that we're in a lot, like digital, the digital world, digital mm-hmm. entrepreneurial space, they're writing books, they're doing podcasts, they're doing blogs, but they're gaining no traction, even though they're doing the work. Like yeah. they're consistent with the work, which is important. So I I looked at it and everybody's like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, people come to me, I'm doing a podcast that's going to, you know, this is going to be the thing. I'm going to do a, write a book, but then nobody cares. Then they spend a year writing a book. They get six reviews after a month. Mm. It fades away and then they get frustrated. And I started to realize it's not about the creation. Now the creation is important. Doing the podcast and books is important, but it's last because I started following these people and studying them. So what I came up with was this, is what I learned from talking to everybody was the first part was character. It wasn't about creation. It was about who you is about your goals. And the way I say it, you're putting your generous goals over your selfish goals. Mm. Meaning I might want a place on Anna Maria Island. That's a selfish goal of mine, right? To get that doesn't come from me trying to just sell you everything. That comes from saying, how do I help the people in my world get what they want? How do I get involved in their lives? How do I connect them with other people? How do I lift them up? How do I create stuff that helps them? Mm-hmm. If I can do those things, 
and I can make my generous goals, meaning me and everybody else succeed, I'm going to get what I need. Yeah. But a lot of people put the selfish goals on top. Here's how I'm going to get my boat. So here's how I'm going to sell people stuff. Yes. And I don't want to be sold to. Yeah. Nobody wants to be sold to. You know, it's funny because um, I was talking to somebody because I come from New York. It's a very heavy Jewish population in New York. Mm-hmm. And somebody said this to me one time. It's like when Jewish people get rich, they're not getting rich on their own. When they get rich, they go, I want to take five people along with me to get rich. When you yeah. think about the normal entrepreneurial space, like here's how I'm going to get it. How am I going to get mine? No, their whole thing is bring everybody up with you and we will get rich together. Yeah. The cultural thing. So the the character part of that, the generous goals over selfish goals, that's a trait that is in everyone that lasts 30, 40 years. As you talk about, like I like to talk to older people. I do too. Who are the people that aren't doing this for two or three years, flash in the pan, real estate, crypto, quick, not that stuff. Mm. I'm talking who's been around forever, who's went through the different recessions. Who were the, What do they have? Character was first. Curiosity was second. They ask a lot of questions. Not only about what they're doing, about what other people are doing. I give the story in the book about Funzy from the Mafia, how I got into a, a New York Mets game when I was 15. And, and he opened a door for me that nobody else could have ever done. And he did it by meeting me on a bus. Didn't know who I was. He asked three questions. By my answers to those three questions, he introduced me to the person that got me in. And I had one of the best days of my life because of it. Simply down to curiosity. He didn't need anything from me. He didn't want anything from me. But 37 years later, I'm still talking about him. Mm, yeah so that's the character and the curiosity and those two things lead to connection when you have character you have curiosity your connection is going to be better the people that you meet are going to be at a higher caliber they're going to be they're going to be just like you they're going to have character they're going to have curiosity you're going to now collaborate which is the fourth part so now that's hey let's team up on this book let's get on a stage together let's do let's do a podcast together your network grows exponentially that way and now when you have Character, connection, curiosity, and collaboration. When you go to create something, the people in your network want to help you. Hmm. They want to share about it. They want to tell other people about it. They want to bring you on. And that's how they consistently elevated what they did. It wasn't, let me create the best product and, and sell it. It was, how do I become the person that I need to be and then meet the people that I need to meet? And be helpful to them. They'll helpful. They're helpful to me, and then we lift each other up with it. That's what I learned from it, and that's what the book's about. Solid, solid, solid. I love how you lay this out because it, there is no quick fix. You know, everybody who wants to meet the star in their space, like you talked about, Gary V being the social media star. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of him and like, if I could just meet him, then everything I do will yeah. be better. It doesn't work that way, right? I mean, you can't just meet somebody, then suddenly it happens for you. There's something deeper there. And I like how you've I like how you've laid out this process of thinking through what would be helpful to this person. Like your character, having that mindset of being a giver and mm-hmm. someone who's offering something, um, not for that immediate payback, but to develop the connection which comes through asking questions and just being a person of value that's what everyone wants around them are people who are helpful and curious and they want to connect with people like that right and then when the time comes when there's an opportunity to do something together you're going to be the person they think of if you put that work in so and I agree with all of this 100%, and I think it's high value for everyone to be listening to this, but 
I know some people right now are thinking, okay, well, that's nice. Um, I don't know how to connect with people or I don't know how to <laughs> add value or how do I even know what somebody would want? Or I feel silly reaching out to somebody and saying, Hey, um, I want to help you or add value to you. Uh, can we get a little bit granular on, on that? Because yeah. I think people are really stuck there. Like they know that, or they've heard that, but what does it look like starting if you've never been in that rhythm before? The way I look at it is this, just what you said before, like, the pe- who are the people that you'd want to be around? And I think that's some- something we don't think about enough. What are the- who are the people that we like being around? Do we like being around selfish people? This-, this is what I would ask. Do you like being around somebody that's selfish? Probably no. Mm-hmm. At least not for a long period of time. Maybe if they're very charismatic, they can be kind of funny, right? Yeah. And they give you some stories. But for the most part, I don't want to be around somebody that's just all about them. Yeah. Just don't, it's not not fun. It's not it's not fun to do. Mm-hmm. I don't, also don't want to be around somebody that's just kind of um, passive, that just mm-hmm. doesn't take action. That two years later, if I ask them the same question, nothing's happened. Yeah. I also don't want to be around somebody that's not really curious. So if we get together and you're kind of negative or you're kind of passive and you don't really ask any questions, we're not going to really go very far as friends. I can yeah. tell you that right now. I love conversation. Most people enjoy being asked about themselves. So a lot of people are like, oh, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to start. Like even when you talk about social media, I don't even know what to post. Well, they're like, I'm not that interesting. Well, are people in your life interesting? I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Like, do you know somebody that's written a book? Do you know somebody that's done something cool? They said something that inspired you. Start with them. Yeah. Start with them. Start praising the people or shouting out the people in your life that have helped you. First of all, they will appreciate you. Second of all, you're not asking for anything. And to your audience, it's an obviously a a generous approach. You're going out of your way to say, hey, this person really helped me with this. You need to check this out. I just want to say that this person gave me a bit of wisdom and I'm I'm really working on it. And and Michael taught me this. And now now I want to share this with you. First of all, your audience would be really appreciative of the knowledge. And Michael would be really appreciative that you shouted him out. Yep. And that costs zero dollars. That's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing to do. One of the best gifts you can give somebody too, that's creating content or creating something that adds value to other people's lives. A little bit of appreciation for that goes really far. Think about that. Okay. Say you start one day and you do that. The next day you're like, oh, wait a second. You know, I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee or whoever it is. I'm going to leave a review for their podcast or their book because I just forgot to do it. I know I should. I read the book. I got a you know thing for my podcast yesterday. Somebody left a review and popped into my email. I'm like, that was really sweet. I saw the name. I sent him a message. I appreciate that. Sure. And the next the next day I go to a mailbox and I open it up and there's you know there's a bill and there's another bill and there's an advertisement and then there's this handwritten thank you note. And I go, you know what? Three or four days ago, this person sat down without me knowing it. Yeah. And wrote out a thank you note for something that I did for them that I didn't realize I did. And they took the time to do that and put a stamp and put it in the mailbox. Do you know how much more they were elevated in my mind because they did that? Mm. Do you know how quicker I'm going to be to want to go out of my way to help that person down the road when something happens? As opposed to the person, I'll tell you the story because I, you know, I shot the Steelers games for years in Pittsburgh. Right. And that was during a pretty much of a heyday for them going to Super Bowls and they would have these big games. Michael Patriots would come to town. Tom Brady would be the, you know, the game of the week. And on Wednesday, I would get an email from somebody who I hadn't heard from in six years. Yeah. Hey, can I be your assistant on Sunday? And <laughs> I'd be like, no. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard from you in six years. Right. And 
and I want to say, guess who that guess who's on the sidelines with me? People that are in my life, yeah. people that reach out, people that I are that are helpful to me, that are a part of my life, that are generous to other people, and they're the ones that I want to. First of all, they're top of mind, but they're, I want to reward them. I want to say, hey, you come with me to this. Not And business is the same way. Hey, I got a new thing coming out. Buy this from me. I haven't heard from you in years. Now you're selling me something. Yeah. That's how people do it wrong. You know, I say all the time, like, build it for a year with no expectations at all. Yeah, Do all the – t- there's a book called 365 Thank Yous. I wrote about it in my book. I can't remember the guy's name at the moment. But his life was terrible. Like, his life was terrible. He He was getting a divorce for a second time. He was estranged from his kids. He was living in a crappy apartment in LA. He had a good job, but he was always broke. And his ex-girlfriend wrote him a thank you note for something around Christmas time. And he realized how touched he was that she just did that out of nowhere. So he made a pact. He said, I'm going to write a thank you note every day for 365 days to somebody in my life. And he wrote a thank you note to his son on the first day, January 1st. And I think on January 8th, his son called him back, said, hey, can we talk? We haven't talked to him forever. They met and he realized he owed his dad $2,000. He brought $2,000 that he he had owed to dad, but they hadn't spoken. He wrote it to the mailman. He wrote it to the person at Starbucks. He wrote it to his ex-wife. He wrote his life on December 31st. December 31st did not even mirror what he was living a year earlier. It was so much better. Relationships were better. Job was better. I believe Uh, it. Great relationship with his kids was night and day because he had a grateful approach as opposed to an entitled approach. Yes. And that is so important to distinguish that from doing something so that you get something Yeah, because everyone can see through that, right? They know if you're trying to position yourself just to benefit from what you just put out there. So this is more about, it sounds like what you're saying, it's becoming a person of gratitude, yeah. becoming a person who's generous, not trying to do this. So you get something that's no, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's becoming that person that you need to be that other people are eventually going to want to be around. Yes. And then when you become that person, it's it's inevitable that they're going to appreciate you or other people are going to talk about you or things are gonna, doors are going to open. You're, when you're around helpful, helpful people want to help helpful people. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned in this whole thing. You don't want to help grumpy, cynical, negative people. You just don't want to be around them. So yeah. who the helpful people want to be around? Other ones like that. So become that person. And it just makes, first of all, it makes you feel better. To just be the helpful type. It wasn't me. This is not the way I grew up. I grew up New York City, photojournalist, dog eat dog world. You know, don't get in my way of a picture because I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my job because of it. So it's elbowing people out of the way. It's very much I need to get what I get, and I don't really care what you think because I need to keep my job. It was a terrible way to learn how to build relationships in a business. It, I'll win the assignment, but I'll lose the relationship war. Yeah. Nobody likes anybody in that spot. And, and but too many people do business that way. They do relationships that way. So mm-hmm. that's the, the character. When you can have that part of it down, everything else becomes easier. So it, it's not a quick fix. Like you said, this is not, oh, how do I start making money right away? Go just bust your butt and, and make some money if you need to. But if you want to build a foundation to it, this is the approach that it just works every single time. Amen to that. I've I've seen that happen as well in so many people's lives and your life for sure and my life and um it's just a it's what what makes the world a good place to live in is when people handle their relationships in that way. Yeah. And yeah, it just it makes business enjoyable too. It makes the interactions that you have with people you're collaborating with. It makes it all better when you have that 
perspective on relationships. Absolutely. It, it, but it's hard for people to see when they've been kind of trained to like, get what you want to get. Yeah. Right? And and when you see that world of certain people that are doing that and the other people are doing it this way, like you said, it's very obvious who's after what. And then yeah. you have to learn that. Yeah, but it sounds like you're saying it could you could develop that skill even if you don't have it now. Oh, that that book, Joe, John Kralik, I think was his name that, with that book. He developed it, you know, in December of whatever year that yeah. was. He didn't have any of that. It's like any habit. You just do it little by little and you become that over time if you continue. I think I think it's just an intangible that's so valuable that's not talked about enough. That's why you know, this isn't, you know, how to become a billionaire type of book. This It will set you up for whatever you want, but it's the foundational pieces that need to happen just to become the person that you want to be. And also all this other stuff takes place and happens after that. Yeah. Wow. So you have to be genuine about it. You can't be after something, doing it so you get something back. But how about that? Become a genuinely generous person and your life will be better. Imagine well, that. Think, yeah, it's mad, But think about it this way. And and I don't hear a lot of people talking about this way. You think about the people that we've been influenced by. Dan Miller, for instance, right? has been such a huge influence in both of our lives. Right. And you think about how so many of these people that have done it for a long time have done it well. And and people won't say this out loud, but it's it's free and it's generous. Mm. And it's like, wait a second, what? I got to make money. What do you mean? Think about any blog that you love. Think yeah. about any this podcast. Pod, you're doing this for free, and right. you're sharing generously. You're not holding back. You're now, yeah. You might have all the things that you sell down the road, but it all starts with free and generous. Every coaching, every business I've ever started, whether it was photography, coaching, everything we've ever done started free and generous, but we're afraid to say that out loud because we got to get what we're worth. Yeah. But you're not worth anything in the beginning yet. You just haven't proved yourself, even if you're good. So to me, to write a great blog every week that's really going to encapsulate somebody, that's free mm-hmm. and it's very generous. The yeah. people have done it. Seth Godin writes a blog every single day that's free and generous. But I think there's this stigma of like, no, you need to charge for that. No, there, there's that's how you build trust. Yeah. And then you can take those things and, okay, access to you might be more expensive, but I can give you the con. Nick Pavlita says all the time, he goes, I'll give you the content for free. What would you pay me for is access and implementation. Hmm. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Because I can, I can give freely of, of what, of my knowledge and then package it into other ways. So there's a way of building trust free and generously. And then on up the ladder are other price points that people yeah. that want to pay for it can. And it, it's like a stadium at a game. Michael, you can listen to the bills game for free mm-hmm. on the radio. Yep. Right? But you pay a couple bucks to to watch it, watch it on cable. You pay a certain amount to sit in the nosebleeds, not a tremendous amount, but to sit down by the field where they come out of that tunnel and shake their hands and get, get an autograph, it's a lot of money. Right. To go to fantasy camp, it's a lot more money. Yeah. But they still give it away for free and they're still generous with it. I think if you build a business model that way, you can go from free to very expensive and everybody's happy about it. Yeah. And I've seen you live this out in your business and it's why you're so successful with everything that you do. And this is how this works. I will joyfully point people toward your books. Number one, because I know they'll help them. Mm, And, and number two, because I'm, I'm glad to support somebody who lives this and breathes this message. And this is how this works too. Like I'm, I'm going to tell everybody right now, definitely go get Vincent's book. 
This is a book that's going to help you. And also I would suggest checking out his community as well, where he teaches this stuff and walks with you as you try to live this out in your own life. And I know it'll help you. If you spend some time with Vincent, your life is going to get better. And so, uh, that's going to bring you financial benefit because you have been so generous with your content the whole way through. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate that. And it means a lot because it's like you, you and I know together being in masterminds together, what, how much difference it makes to have people around you that are leveling up that way too, but also are willing to do these same type of things to connect people together. That wealth of connection doors that have opened for me by being in communities like that. And like Dan's community, like my community doors open for, I I explain it this way. If I go to a mall and there's 3000 people there and I try to have a conversation about this, Mm. right? It's a really difficult thing to do. People want a pretzel. They want to buy some jeans. They don't want to talk about this. But if I go to a, a retreat with 20 people, a business retreat that are all on the same page, my mind's blown by not only the connection that happens, but the knowledge that I learned. It's a re- it's about who you surround yourself with. That's right. why we created this to, to build that, but it's also why I willingly join it with other people because mm-hmm. I want to be around these type of people that are going to not only lift me up, but amazing people to connect with. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So if, if somebody does want to access what you're working on right now or what's a, what do you offer and want to get a little bit deeper with you, what's the place to go? Yeah. Um, to begin with, um, talk about free and generous. I want to live it. We're making our audio book for the wealth of connection absolutely free. Wow. So I will share you the link. I'll share the link with you. You can share with your audience. Perfect. Absolutely free because you know, I got really great advice from Seth Godin years ago with my first book. And I said, I said, what are two, what are, what mistakes am I going to make now that I, three years from now I will wish I didn't make. Hmm. And he said to me two things. You'll wish that you didn't count on your publisher to market your book for you. And the second thing was you will wish you got your book into 10,000 people's hands because mm-hmm. if it gets in those people's hands and it's a good book, they will talk about it. Yeah. So the book launched around seven months ago. We've had a really great start of this book. And then I realized I want to get into more people's hands. Mm-hmm. So it does not necessarily mean I want to sell it to 10,000 more people. But if I can give it and people are going to listen to it and they're going to share that, that's getting the message of the book out, which only helps everything else that we do. It helps get the message out. It helps get this mindset in there where maybe down the road, somebody would want to work with me. But the idea is always be free and generous to start. And then you go from there. So I want to live it. So there you go. So I'll send you, I'll give you the link for you to share with your audience. It's no surprise, but thank you, Vinny. Really appreciate that, uh, that gift. And I know a lot of people will take you up on it. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before and casually it just comes out of our mouths when we're talking about freedom and what that means for us. Yeah. And I know that you really value these years with your family and you're just, yes. you're just talking about how after this call, you're going to go hang out with your kids for a couple hours. Yep. And I've seen the cool things that you've done with your kids and the ways that they're making money right now and what this whole message has done for your family. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just as, as we get close to wrapping up here, I don't want people to miss the family piece here too. Uh, It's the reason why we do this. It's, and I am so grateful for it in in a million ways, but I don't know if we would have built it this way if it wasn't for them. Cause Mm. I would have been like, Oh, I'm going to work. You know, I love the work that I do. Absolutely love it. And I can get obsessed with it because I love it. But my family gives me the boundaries that I need to be like, no, no important but not urgent so we can do what matters. Because as you and I were talking about, 
our kids are 17, 15, and 11. And I've been here the entire ride. We've been home, you know, fishing, traveling. We've done the whole thing. I have no regrets with it. But at the same time, I can really get caught up in the work if I want to. Hmm. And I balance myself with that where I go, you know, all that stuff's going to six, seven years from now when, you know, I'm, if I'm still doing well, like that's what I'm going to really turn that on because yeah. I don't want to turn that on now because I know that it will take my mind away from them. I know it will take my mind away from, you know, I, I will get obsessed in some ways. Entrepreneurs often do with, with the work that they're doing, the people they're working with. But when I see like our oldest son, Andrew is very much into bugs and everybody said, Oh, he's weird. He's crazy. All this type of stuff that he, he's turned that into this amazing business where he has snakes and tarantulas and scorpions and he helps people get over their fears. So we <laughs> does birthday parties. He goes out to John's pass over here. Like you'd be stunned. He makes like $300 a night in tips. Amazing. Having people hold a tarantula. He was 15 when this started. He does birthday parties. He's now writing an ebook about it. We get to do this together. Nolan has a power washing business. He has all these different interests. Dylan, our youngest, is into electronics and taking them apart and building these, building a go-kart right now as we speak. It's like these are things that the freedom, has, aside from the money, has given us the ability to be a part of this with them. And I heard, a, I don't know if it was a billionaire recently said, he goes, everybody's so focused on the financial success. He goes, you want to know what success is? As we said, he goes, success, success is raising kids that want to come visit you once they're adults. That's success. Wow. Yep. Amen to that. How do you do that if you're not here and you're not involved? Yeah. So what are you doing this for? That's what I'll ask. What are you doing this for? So yeah. as you and I spoke about, like speaking is a part of what I do, but it's not a very big part of it right now because it's just too much of a time commitment away from home to do it well. I know I need to be on the road a lot. I know I need to give a lot of speeches in a lot of different places. And I'm just not willing to give up this time with them for that. So that's an area that's going to suffer in our business, at least for the next five or six years, because I can't do it. And that's just me. So you have to know what your boundaries are. You have to know what your priorities are. But when I said when we build Total Life Freedom, I want to work on Mondays and Tuesdays and have the rest of the week to do what I want. Maybe I'll work. Maybe I won't. Mm -hmm. That was the parameter we set when we started this business six years ago. And now we live by it. Now, I still do work those other days, but we've created something from the very beginning of this is how we want to live our life. So a lot of people go about it and they go, they take whatever is given to them. And that's the schedule that was given to me. Can you imagine if right now you're in that spot of that person that's frustrated and they said, this is the business that I want to build. This is how I want to do it. And I'm going to create it around these parameters. You have no choice but to make that happen that way. <laughs> right. So you will figure it out. Yeah. based on the life that you want because that comes first and then the business the business creates the life not the other way around yeah wow wise words and free and generous so eat this up folks start to ask yourself that question right what is it that you really want if you had the choice to design your life and your business what would it look like because you can't build it if you don't ask that question first you can't. And, and and so I will say a lot of people, and, and I don't know if we want to end with this at all, but I'll say a lot of people, because they're so stressed out, and I, yeah. I have to do this right now, that if I paid your bills for a year, paid your bills for a year, but the only requirement was you had to work on exactly what you wanted to work on and create exactly what you want to create, what would it be? Hmm. And and it's more than 80% of the people, it's not what they're doing right now. Yeah, but if if I didn't give those parameters, they'd say, "Oh, I'd, I'd expand my insurance business." No, is that when when the money came out of it? Yeah. They said, "No, I would. I'd want to be speaking on stage, or I want to be doing. I'd want to be doing this stuff." 
Start there. That's the key. When you know what that answer is, that you you don't need the money and you will do the work, what are you going to do the work? That's where to start. Because you know, even when you're not making money, you're going to be passionate about it. That's how we've done it every single time. So when you can get yourself to financial freedom one way or the other, you then get to build the work and the life that you want to do. Yeah. And sometimes people confuse escapism as what they really want to, because they're in such discomfort and pain because they hate their job so much that they think that the margarita on a beach, just laying there doing nothing would solve all their problems. But then you, you see anyone that's gone down that path, talk to them in two months, three months, yep. misery sets in, right? Because they're made to do something more, something yep. more meaningful to them and their families. And so I love that you take that need for money out of the equation. What would you do? How well, you have to work because that's what work. people say. Oh, if I pay you for a year, they'll like, sit on the beach. Like, no, 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 no. We've yeah. been there. After two months, you're bored with that. What, right. what, what do you? What would you do? And they go. It gets to a different part of their brain. Oh, I've always wanted to do a nonprofit for. Okay, all right, whatever it is. Now you know what you can build, and once you know, you would do it for free because that's essentially what you're doing. You know you can withstand hard times because it's not about how much you're getting paid per job or per hour. It's about the passion and and the the purpose of the work that you're doing. Yeah. It it does take a little bit of courage, right? Because a lot. Yeah, a lot. When you're eliminating the perspective of needing to pay your bills, it's uncomfortable to even say that, right? To even imagine yourself pursuing something that you really wanted to do. But that, Mike, that's how all books get written. That's how albums get. You think about your favorite band, whoever it is. You think about their first album. They wrote that album, those songs, most likely without any money that they were getting paid from their music and without any guarantee from it. And it might be your favorite album they ever wrote. Yeah. And there was no guarantee of money, but they knew that's the work that they had to do. But if they were doing it for the money, they'd try to write a hit or they'd be on a cover band to make. Five hundred dollars that night, but mm-hmm. when when they they had that passion without being asked, mm-hmm. this is the music that we're writing because it's what we love doing. That's how it works. Yes, and that question lingers. What if it doesn't work? What if I don't create anything of value? What if it doesn't happen for me? And that's why it requires courage to explore that. Well, I will. I'll give one answer to that. Like I have. A, it's going to be a T-shirt that we make that says "Bad choices make great stories." <laughs> I like it already. And if you and if you read my book, you'll hear a lot of bad choices that made great stories. When it doesn't work, you're going to get a story from it, and you're going to get a lesson from it, and then you're going to learn. You're like, oh, so when you do have success, you get to say, oh yeah, you think you have it hard? Let me tell you about the time this happened. <laughs> Something's coming to mind right now for me. (laughs) Frozen Arms T-shirt company, which was from a or something like a hot T-shirts from a cold place. And I remember making. Oh yeah, it was real. Frozenarms.com. I had it up and running. I was making T-shirts at my parents' house. There, I had a screen printer, um, and I was doing it by hand. And they're drying all in the in my mom's dining room, hanging over the chairs. I was taking orders. It was an epic failure you were selling them yeah yeah I, was so what happened? I happened i just was okay. i wasn't committed to it i didn't see it through frankly it wasn't a re- the real passion of okay. mine but um that was just one of those failure stories of this is going to make it big it's going to be awesome and didn't follow through you crash landed see the great thing about that story is people see you now they go oh, look where he's at now but also i would be like wow what 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 did you learn from that 
Like, what were the stories that came from? What were the what were the things that you did then that made you say, "Oh, I won't do that." And you don't have to answer. I'm not asking you to answer it now, but I'm saying I would go through the whole. What what made you say, "Okay, now I'm going to do it this way" because of that the mistakes I learned from that. Every failure we have shortens the window of, of failure in, in the future because we learned something that we didn't know before. That's yeah. why bad choices make great stories and great lessons. So yes. you're not going to make that same mistake again. No. And I'll tell you, just to bring this full circle, one of the major reasons why that didn't work is because I didn't have the right people around me. Oh. I didn't have the right connections. I didn't have people that believed in me that I was leaning on to ask questions about how do you run a business? How do you become successful? How do I think like a profitable business owner? If I had the right people around me, hey, I might be in a different business altogether today. You have the answer already, right? Yeah. And then you think about what you've done, you know, since I've known you, investing in yourself, investing in, in being around people like that. You would have people poking holes like, what about this? What about that? Are you really dedicated to this? You're not putting the work in. Either you do the work or you don't. But that's a huge lesson to learn from a from a mistake or a, or a failure. That's when people question that, what if it fails? You're going to get great stories and you get great lessons and you're going to get better from it. That's exactly right. Yep. Benson, thank you so much for hanging out, man. Uh, it's so good to catch up. It's been way too long. I'm encouraged. I'm fired up, man. I want to like, I want to come do something with you right now. Well, you're here in a few weeks. Let's uh, let's sit by the beach and, and grab a, a drink and, and, and brainstorm. I would love that. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much. You added a ton of value to me personally and to everybody listening. I know. So go out and get Vincent's book. Listen to his podcast too, the Total Life Freedom Podcast and order the Wealth of Connection. And we will have a link to the free audio book in the show notes. Vincent, keep living the life, man. You're inspiring. Thank you, man. You're the best. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. A lot of great nuggets of wisdom to go back and reflect on. The one that stood out to me is, what would I do if somebody paid my bills, but I had to work and I got to do whatever I wanted to, but it had to be working on something? Man, I'm going to reflect on that question for sure. Do yourself a favor and follow Vincent Puglisi on Facebook or go to totallifefreedom.com and get engaged with what he's doing. Well, I hope you're enjoying the holiday season. We're going to do one more episode and just talk about how to end the year well and what to be thinking about as we move toward 2023. Have an incredible Christmas, and I will talk to you soon.